Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and this is about the halfway mark of the year. Um, okay, end of July, it's a little more than halfway so this show i am uh doing myself so i do this about once or twice a year and i thought it'd be a good time to sort of catch everybody up on what i'm doing so you know i'm out meeting people or when i'm online talking to people i get a pretty common question that i thought it'd be fun to answer is that people are always asking me how did I start this show? You know, how did that happen? And it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, maybe. I think it's funny. <laughs> so I never thought about this, you know, almost seven years ago now. It was, you know, six and a half years ago, probably close to seven years ago when I was contacted by email by a quilter. And she said, um, I have a client who is thinking about creating an all-woman talk show online on the internet. And, you know, honestly, podcasts were so new that I wasn't even 100% sure what that actually meant. And I'm pretty internet savvy. So, you know, the lady who contacted me, um, she was the webmaster for this client. And the client uh, was a publisher of... Um, or an, a writer of children's books, um, teaching books. She had a whole business. But she had this vision that she wanted to do this. So I ended up talking to, you know, everybody involved, including the owner of the actual radio station. Because what I do is called Internet Radio. Uh, and, you know, it's not um, the kind that you subscribe to. It's not where you turn a dial on your car and you get it to tune in. Uh, this is now much more popular and people call them podcasts. But most of my shows are actually recorded live. So it's a live radio station run by a staff of people and the company name is called Toginet. Uh, that is where everything runs. So... I had to interview, basically, you know, they asked me to do this, but the man who owned the station, uh, his name was John, and he wanted to interview me because he didn't really know much about quilting. So we got on the phone, and we started talking, and uh, he says, well, you know, do you think you can really talk about quilting for a full hour? You know, to, to say I laughed would be, put it mildly. I try to be polite. Um, yeah, I can talk about quilting for an hour and probably talk about it for days. Um, not only that, I can find lots of other people and we can all talk about quilting. So he was pretty funny. He's a great guy. Um, he had the vision to start this station and eventually sold it. Though, you know, it's another group of people who own it now. So it was an experiment because honestly, um, in the long run, what happened was the lady who had the vision, it didn't really materialize for her. Um, she didn't go forward with this all-woman radio station. But John still had his company. Um, that was where it was going to run at Toginet. And so he still had this. And he said to me, you know, if you're still interested, why don't you, um, you know, why don't you try it? You know, try it for a while. And see, see what you think. So I thought, well, you know, I can't lose anything. I like to try new stuff. I like to, um, I like the internet. Uh, there were still, you know, seven years ago, six and a half years ago, there were a lot of quilters online, but not like there are now. Uh, it's, it's really exploded with people, everybody, whether you're quilters or not, being, being on the internet to get information and to listen to things and to watch things. So when I started, um, you know, I was like, well, it's not too scary because you know what, am I going to have like 10 people listen? Uh, so it's a, it, you know, more than 10 listened, but I started out with, um, 
like generally one guest, but that's a lot to ask somebody to come onto my show for an, an entire hour. Uh, so eventually uh, it evolved into three to um, four guests. And and the formats changed over all of these years somewhat because, uh, you know, you learn and I get better and things change and people are different. And uh, so it's been, you know, a, a super fun, it is a super fun process to, to go through. I never tire of it. Um, but on the on the show... It's interesting because we do tape, when we tape live, which is a lot of the shows, probably three-fourths, if not more, of the shows are taped live. Uh, that means, I mean, anything that happens, like, a, you know, like Alex Anderson was on the other week and we lost her connection, well, we have to call her back. And so I have a producer, and I'm on Skype, uh, and the producer is talking either sometimes on Skype or by phone with the guests, and feeding them into the show, um, so it's all—it's very helpful for me. My producer gives me countdowns, and you'll notice that often um, my guest is talking about something really good, and I don't interrupt, and I just sort of let let them finish out as the tunes start. Um, which you know that's real and it's live, and it's that's what's happening. I don't mind that. I think I'd rather be able to get that last bit of information from my guest. So I hope you don't mind that part. It's a bit quirky. I know. I'm like, ah, I let it run too long. But I wanted to hear what they were saying. Um, so what else about the show that's interesting? There's, you know, a lot of content. So if you have not been, um, you know, on the show, listening to the show lately, you can go to my website and uh, you can just go to patsloan.com and I've got a link to the radio show. I actually have a whole list of guests. Um, and unfortunately, I didn't start that early on. You know, like hindsight is wonderful, isn't it? It would have been wonderful to have started that list of guests with a link to them, their show, but I don't have that. So, there is a link to Toginet where you can go on there to the show page um, and on the right sidebar you can view all the podcasts and you can actually do a page search for a person's name and you can listen right there. So you're listening to the show now so obviously you've managed to learn how to listen to it uh, but if you're not, like if you do iTunes you can subscribe so it comes right away. If you... Um, don't, you know, do iTunes. You can just listen on my actual website because I have a player there that you can click and listen to. And you could download there. From there, you could download to your tablet, uh, to your phone to listen to later on to your, you know, to your big girl computer. Uh, the other thing that happened with my show uh, about four and a half years ago now, um, maybe five, whatever it was, uh, is that I partnered with American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine, you know, one of our favorite magazines in the whole world, right, as quilters. They do an amazing job. So I, um, we, we started talking, and they are like, you know, we don't have anything like this, and they said, why don't we work together? So basically my job is I am um, the producer and the host, and the chief bottle washer you know i you know i do everything for the show and so i'm the one contacting all the guests i'm the one writing up all the outlines for my guests and researching them so we know what we're going to talk about and we be sure we get in what's new and what's important to them and then i actually run the show over on um, allpeoplequilt.com uh, you can find the show list there and what we're doing is being able, you can actually listen to the show right at their at their site as well. So if you're at allpeoplequilt.com, on the right-hand nav bar, navigation bar, there is a drop-down that says magazines and more. And when you drop that down, you're going to get the quilting podcast. And so what do you see there? Well, you, you can watch a video, which I did, which I need to update. I need to update the video. But then there's also past shows, and they're by... You'll see the show date, and when you click to it, 
it'll have the player, so you can play it. And there's a little quote about uh, that comes from each of the designers during the show. And so I go through and I pull that quote out so that we can place it there, um, which gives you just a little idea of their personality. And um, I, we really, really think it's fun to, to do the quotes. Uh, so, you know, what what else about this show? The the part that that I like is that I've set it up in recent years. So I call it now a talk show because uh, I really want to find out more about what's current. You know, because well, we could talk about something, you know, if you go back to past shows, you're going to find the same thing. But I want to know what's current. It's like when you watch a TV night show and they're talking about the newest movie from an actor and then, you know, something fun. You know, that's, that's what I'm going for. And the other part is I like, I'm just seriously love to know how people got into this. So you're always going to get a little bit of backstory about how they either started quilting or maybe how they got into designing um, you know, I, these are all real people who quilt because it's a passion. It's the, you know, rarely am I talking to somebody who does this as just a job. You, know, you could do that somewhere else. Everybody does this because they have a deep love for the craft and for um, creating. And that's the part I want you to see. I want you to hear it. I want you to be able to then go and meet them via their websites and their places that they hang out. So like on my blog, um, blog.patsalone.com, you know, there's a, a radio or talk show tab. And when you click that, I have each show. And for each show, I, I give you the links to the designer and maybe, you know, their newest products so that you can see what that's all about. Uh, and you can get to know them because I'm all about building up the quilt industry, American Patchwork Quilting Magazine, is all about supporting and building everybody, all the designers. So this is so much fun. I love just chatting. Uh, I am. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I have a new book I'm going to tell you about. So be back. In Choose a from more than 100 of your favorite patterns from American Patchwork and Quilting, Quilts and More, and Quilt Sampler, all available online. Buy downloadable patterns today at apqshop.com. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg, Executive Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases and creating smiles. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or many more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You'll create just as many smiles. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com backslash million pillowcases. Quilt along with us in 2016. Join our third annual quilt along by making a quilt, a one-block pillow, or all four projects featuring plus sign designs. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun. Follow American Patchwork and Quilting on Pinterest to find ideas for bags, baby projects, pillowcases, storage and organization, and more. Visit Pinterest.com backslash APQ Magazine to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and today it's an all-chat-with-Pat episode. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my newest book that's coming out. Uh, I have a whole series of books with Martin Gale called Teach Me Too, and the previous ones were machine quilting and applique and all about different ways to sew triangles. These are designed as resource books so that you can 
not only have the patterns that I share in them, which are all fun, of course, but I have tons of photo step outs and I explain the process that way where you're going through step by step and learning a new technique and then you can just go back and reference something. Maybe you don't remember the formula for doing, you know, multiple flying geese at the same time. You can just go in there and find the formula. Or you're not really quite sure with the sewn flip, you know, how did that look again? So you go there and look at the photo. Well, my newest book, yay, is the one that starts out the whole series. I know, I know. It's odd. It's the fourth one in the series, but it's now out. It's called Teach Me to Make My First Quilt. And the reason why I think this is important for your library is because many, many, many quilters nowadays are self-taught. And being self-taught is incredibly amazing. I think everybody who jumps in and does anything new just right off the bat with, you know, just tries it has courage and creativity and just, you know, you just do it. You know, I think that's amazing. The the one thing that I've noticed that happens is that a lot of times we jump into anything new, whether that might be um, learning to play tennis or um, you are learning a card game um, or quilting or any kind of craft or crochet, like if you're self-taught. There's maybe nuances and tricks and techniques and actual sort of guideposts that you might miss out on because you sort of jump in and you do a project. I can tell you I'm a self-taught on many, many, many things. Um, and the one that really comes to mind for me is crochet. I mean, I taught myself to crochet way back as a little girl. And I crochet badly. Uh, that's just the way it is. I've never really learned to take it to the next level. I've never learned some of the really basics. Um and that's sort of my goal, actually, is to do that, is to sort of step back and learn the basics. So for anybody who's taught themselves to quilt, yay you, that's incredible. But you might be missed, you might have missed a few things. I notice this a lot where people don't actually know how to read a pattern or they don't understand the grid work process of a block, that a block actually is not hard to figure out what a block design is because it's based on grids. And so what I did in the um, Teach Me to Make My First Quilt book is do an incredible amount of photo step outs. There's 140 photos in here that show you, not drawings, but photos that show you the process so that you can get a feel for um, what what really should be going on. And I give you little problems like, you know, why when you cut a long strip does it get that funky little elbow and it's not straight on one side and it's, you know, nerve-wracking and annoying? Well, I tell you why, because there's a why, and then I explain how to fix it. Um, these are the kind of things that you don't learn when you sort of just jump in and do it. You jump in and do it. It's incredible fun. You get it done. And then later down the road, we don't know why something's not working. We don't know why our blocks aren't the right size. And we don't know why or how, actually, to fix the blocks not being the right size. So I've spent a lot of time, uh, you know, sort of observing what self-taught quilters are doing and how they the kinds of questions that were asked, particularly on my online group. I have a very large online group with um, almost 100,000 people. And so there's an, a massive amount of information that, um, that people ask for, you know, ask for help on. And I thought, okay, I'm just observing here and seeing where is there, there, there must be some common issues that aren't, that you don't learn when you teach yourself. And, of course, there are. And, of course, you know, the other thing, too, is when you're learning, you can only absorb so much information. You've probably done this. You've taken a class and you leave the class and you, there's things that were probably said in the class that you don't even remember were be, being said because you, your brain only absor could absorb so much. Maybe there was a lot of it that was new information. So you could only absorb so much. 
over time, it's like for me, I've taken probably four or five machine quilting classes over the 20-something years I've quilted because each time I have a different set of skills. I have a different experience level. I have a different base to build off of. So I absorb different information each time I take the class. So I'm hoping that you will pick up my book uh, because I give you all of these things that I could think of about how to be a better quilt maker, how to get those basics and nail those basics. Because once you do, it's like driving a car. You don't have to think about it again. You know how to do it, and um, if it needs, you know, a little uh, refresher, you can look it up. But you don't really have to think too much about putting your foot on the gas pedal anymore and watching for traffic. It's the same thing once you understand how to make your quarter inch seem accurate, then it's accurate. And you might have to re-look at it if all of a sudden your blocks aren't uh, lined up anymore, the right size anymore, and then go back and and do the tests and ch- double check as you build the block. Um, and if you change machines, the same thing. If you change the height of your table or anything like that, you're, all of those factors come into play. Uh, there, I give you little tips like uh, sewing order and how you could, um, you know, think about that for your blocks. And then, the, you know, how to square up your blocks. What are some ways and things that people run into that that cause block size errors? So I kind of list those and tell you how to resolve them. Now, also in the book, I give you... Um, Besides patchwork, we're doing fusible applique by machine, and it's a basic uh, stepping stone. I have a whole book on that, but this is to let you jump in first, because honestly, my very first quilt project, we did applique. It's not a scary thing. Uh, I did, you know, I did it by hand, but this is on machine, so you're already at your machine. There's nothing here that is hard, and I did a very, very easy project for you. After that, the, the the sort of the guts of the book is walking you through because I believe you can't learn anything unless you actually do it. You have to cut the fabric. You have to put it together. You have to sew it. You have to measure and then repeat. And when you do that, all of a sudden, everything goes click, click, click. You know, your brain goes, okay, I understand now because you're actually doing it. Reading and doing uh, go hand in hand. So I go through uh, quite a few projects. Their total of them, there's nine patterns. There's like nine projects. And uh, you can either make, uh, like on each one, you can make the whole project. Or uh, you could just make a block and try it out and see, you know, see how you like that. And, just, you know, you don't have to do the whole thing. You could just do one block and then, you know, put all those together if you, if you wanted to um, do sort of a sampler. But I talk about sashings and adding borders and how to do that correctly, uh, how to measure so that, you know, you don't have crazy ruffled borders. That happens a lot, right, that you, you do that. How to finish your quilt, um, binding, some quilting, you know, basic quilting in here. Because when you're beginning, there's so much you are learning uh, that, you know, you don't want to go you want to absorb it all instead of just going crazy into to every little detail. So this is the stepping stone, stepping through each part and then showing you exactly how it it looks. So like on a nine patch block, that's a, a great way to join seams and to to actually look at the block and figure out how to sew all those units together. That's that's how I teach in here. Teach you step by step by step. So I am very excited to have this because now there's a series of four books. And in the four books, you can get all of the basics and then uh, take it sort of to the next level and do more with triangles, with the Teach Me Sew triangles. So it can take you to the all different types of triangle units besides a half square triangle and all different ways to make all those units. And then I have the uh, Teach Me to Machine Quilt. And the Teach Me to Applique, which goes through in a lot more detail, fusible applique. So this book is exciting for me, super exciting, uh, and I uh, can't wait till you, you get it. So 
just to wrap up this section, I want to tell you that the new um, Quilts and More issue is out, and I'm on the cover. Yay! I have a fall little fall quilt. I'm really into small quilts right now because they're fast, they're easy. I'm doing the button club projects, the little banners. There's two other projects I want to tell you about, one being uh, the maple leaf quilt on the front, which is done by Vicki Rubel of uh, Orchard Owl Quilts, and I actually interviewed Vicki on January 30th of 2017 of this year, so I will, um, you know, you can go back and listen to me chat with Vicki. Uh, it's incredible. I could see it in two colors. Like for our Canadian friends for the 150th anniversary, it could be red and white, the maple leaves. Yeah, that would be cool. The other one in here is um, another favorite. is a wool project by my good friend, Roseanne Kermis of Rosebud's Cottage. You know, Roseanne comes on here all the time and chats with me. She has these super cute acorn and um, oak leaf projects and I love her acorn. It is darling. So that is one you can also check out and if you've never played with wool it's a nice small project to do for um, uh, you know a first time project. I like it. It's got cute little scallops. Oh they're so cute. Alrighty. We are going to take a little break and when we come back I have asked my Facebook group for some questions. So I'm going to do Q&A and there are so many questions and they are so good. I'm going to do that for the next two segments um, and we'll be right back. Boost your sewing skills from start to finish with daily tips from the editors of American Patchwork and Quilting. Visit tips.allpeoplequilt.com for inspiration. Hi, I'm Linda Augsburg. Join me for a fun video series called Show Me How, brought to you by Baby Luck. Each month, I'll show you how to complete a simple project from start to finish. Learn new techniques, see tips, and sew a great project with me. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash videos to watch. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Take an ultimate shop-hop tour of 11 top quilt shops. You'll find them all in the current issue of Quilt Sampler, available now at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and I just wanted to remind you that if you've not gone out to the Moda Bake Shop lately, you should do that. They actually have, um, you know, a, a way that you can list and look for different um, patterns by pre-cut. And I think that's pretty nifty feature because if you have a certain, like, let's say you have a layer cake and you want to know how to, you know, or what kind of patterns to make with a layer cake. So you just go in by the, by that option and it'll start listing all of the patterns that people have uh, shared on how to use a layer cake. I am now going to Facebook to my quote along with Pat Sloan uh, page. And I will link this, uh, direct link to the Q&A post where I asked everybody, uh, all 98,000 plus of them, whoever's on, um, to, you know, ask me a question. And there's a lot of super good questions on here. So I cannot possibly answer them all on the show, but I'm going to give it a really good try. I'm going to go I'm going to go through them. And uh, some of them I'm actually doing answers also in the post, um uh, somewhat of an answer so that you, you know it's worth going to read it because other people have, you know, chimed in with different things. So that's that's pretty fun. Um so I'm really let's see. I'm going to go through here and and pick a couple that people have asked that I can uh, can talk about. So Kathy asked me, what is your favorite method of quilting? 
you know, she means putting the layers together. Do I like to machine quilt? Do I like to hand quilt? Do I send it out to be quilted by somebody else? If I'm doing my own work, am I doing free motion? Am I doing ruler? Am I doing straight line? So what I, my go-to, I have two go-to methods. One is I'm either doing free motion and walking foot quilting, just like my book. Um, and I do basic stuff. And then the second way is I send it out. I have some uh, people who quilt for me and they understand my style and they, and I have a lot of deadlines. And so there's no way I could possibly quilt them all. Plus they have a uh, eye that adds a different layer to my quilt than I could do myself. Um, and so that is as a business, I have to use multiple ways to accomplish my work. I do very little hand quilting. Um, I like sort of big stitch when I do it with a little bit heavier thread, but it's time consuming and it's certainly nothing I do for work. Um, it would be maybe for, for fun. You know, I might do, might do that for fun. Let's see. We had some questions on here about, um, what if, how do you handle a block that's not the right size? Um, and I just talked about understanding that in the previous section with my beginner book. But sometimes, you know, you get to the end of this and possibly even maybe you've done a block exchange and not all the blocks are the same size. So they might be a quarter of an inch off or, or a whole half of an inch. A half an inch off is actually quite big as you start trying to put all of them together you're going to have uh, huge, huge problems. But for one block, there's a couple of things you could do. You could, if it's just one block, figure out where the error happened and fix it in that block. It's not going to take you that long if it's a simple block to fix the block. Um, if you don't want to fix the block and you're talking about a half inch or more, you know, and so seriously, sometimes it be, might be more. You could just put a tiny little border around it. I mean, then you're talking seams and bulk and other things, but it would just give you a little frame, like all the way around it, that would make it the right size. Now, anything uh, under a quarter of an inch, um, you want to maybe take a look at how you could possibly do a smaller seam allowance to get it to fit into the the layout you need. Um, but in the end, ultimately you should, if it's your block, you should try to figure out why is it coming out wrong and do step-by-step -step measurements as you sew units together so that you understand what that is, you know, where it happened, you know, how did, at what point did my quarter inch seam become too big and therefore my finished block is too small. If your seam is too wide, your finished block will be too small. Uh, so I hope that, that helps. Uh, a little bit. Uh, Mona is one of the people who asked that, um, and Norma asked, you know, asked, but, you know, you really need to figure it out, and, and sometimes just trying to fudge it is not always the best answer. So Christy asked me, do I keep a daily schedule or just roll with the flow? Um, I am a schedule person. I worked my first career in computers. I did massive productions. I did big projects. I had a staff of 40 people. I, my brain naturally likes to schedule and is orderly. I'm a, I learned, I'm, I, I'm a computer scientist. I work, I work that way. I'm a very step-by-step -step person. So, um, going with the flow, like just waking up in the morning and thinking, what do I have to do? No, that just, that is not part of my mentality at all. I know what I have to do. I have a pretty detailed schedule. I have deadlines. I have massive amount of deadlines. I know when things should be done. Do I always get to them? No. Do they always meet the deadline? Almost always. But, uh, you know, I have to do that in order to be happy and productive. Um, and so kind of a follow-up question to that is Cindy asks, you know, how do I keep track of so many projects going on at one time? And do I have an administrative assistant? Well, I do not have an administrator. I don't have an assistant. And, and even if I did, I'm not sure I would actually give my schedule to another person. I don't think anybody could think like I do. Um, and I would not be happy having somebody else think 
like that for me. That's just not how I work. Um, now, of course, I am a small family-owned business, so that means my husband works with me. I finally call him the shipping department. Uh, but he does not do my scheduling. He does not do my marketing. He does not do designing or sewing or anything like that. He does the accounting. He does the, sh- the shipping. He does all the event planning and running, you know, other things that are all behind the scenes. So uh, I do it all myself. And so how... How do I track them? Well, it goes back to the schedule. You know, basically I have a schedule. I know um, it is a personally formulated formulated one that I've created years and years ago. Um, but I need to know what all the things are that I need to do. What are the deadlines? How long do they take? And, and that's how it works. I mean, that's kind of like, like the behind-the-scenes stuff. That's not the fun stuff, but it's how I get to do the fun stuff. If I were not organized and structured, there wouldn't be any fun stuff. So that's kind of um, a peek, maybe, uh, at how that happens. Okay, what's another one on here? Oh, this is a good one. So Sharon asks, um, as a beginner, how does someone get comfortable with color? Uh, and I think this is an excellent question because as uh, any, I think as with anything, you get better with practice. Uh, so when you start out, maybe you follow what the color palette is of something you love. You look at that p- palette, that group of fabrics, and you go, oh my gosh, I love that. And so you make it just like that. Maybe you use a different navy, maybe you use a different white than is actually in the pattern. You know, get a little crazy. Um, but once you start to understand how fabric looks when you cut it up and you put it in a quilt... Then you can start to visualize. You need to make it, though. You need to do the process. Just looking at pictures won't help you make better color combinations. Buying the fabric, cutting it up, sewing it makes you have better color combinations. I also think a lot of people um, overthink. Instead of just saying, I love this and going with it, they think, Oh, I love this, but, 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 and then they start, you know, making all these changes and then have like 8 million combinations and can't pick one. I think if your gut likes it first, you go with your gut. Uh, and as you progress, let's say this quilt is blue and white and you think, well, you know, I really have a friend who loves green. I want to make it in green and yellow. Well, you know, make one in green and yellow. Find something simple. Make a simple project in green and yellow. And then all of a sudden you see how those green and yellow fabrics combine. Uh, so do the work. You have to do the work always. Uh, let's see. There's a bunch of stuff on designing, uh, which is, you know, maybe I'll do, catch that in the last segment. Um, you know, how do I find blocks? Uh, you know, somebody asked, do I do raw edge applique? Okay, Mary asked, do I do raw edge applique? I did I did try to get clarification. I don't know whether she means frayed edge, like the edges like are fuzzy, or actual raw edge, what's typically called raw edge, is like fusible applique by machine. And yes, I do what I typically call, and most people do, raw edge is fusible applique by machine. Um, I've done it for years. I have a whole book on it. Uh, but if... if um, Mary means, do I mean frayed edge? That's a little bit different where when your edges are not sort of locked down by a fusible, you might uh, be working with a flannel and you want it to fray up around or you wash it like a rag quilt. You know, you wash it and then all the edges fray. That's not my typical go-to for applique. Um, I've tried it. I, I did it years ago on a project, and it was fun, but it's not typically the look that I want. I want a clean, crisp edge on all my appliques, and so that's really where where I go to. Okay, there was a whole discussion uh, recently about labels, you know, um, and people, oh, you know, I personally, you know, labeling your quilt. So I personally label my quilts. I label every quilt. I think it's important as a maker to no matter what the quilt is for to say that you made it my family who i give quilts to look for the label they want to see what's on the label and so do other people i give quilts to they want to see that i made it for them 
Um, so I think labels are important, and they do not take a lot of time. You can go to my tutorial page and find my triangle label. You can go in all my books and find my triangle label. It's super easy. Uh, two of the edges are locked into your binding, so it's super safe. It's not going to pop off. You only have one edge to do by hand, and it doesn't take you any time at all to put a label on. Uh, so that is uh, my thoughts on labels. Yes, put labels on. Uh, and write your name, write Grandma or Auntie Pat, but then also put your last name. Now we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to get some more questions because there's some other super good questions here that I can answer. Uh, so we'll be right back. Looking for fresh, simple, and fun projects and ideas? Check out the current issue of Quilts and More magazine at your local quilt shop or on newsstands. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. See our editors share their tips, ideas, and techniques by visiting allpeoplequilt.com and clicking on videos. See what other quilters are up to on the American Patchwork and Quilting page on Facebook. Simply go to Facebook.com and search for APQ Magazine. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, for an all chat with Pat episode. So I'm looking on my Facebook page still, and there are um, quotes along with Pat Sloan, and there are still a lot of great questions. And so there's one here that I just... Um, it kind of it kind of made me chuckle uh, in a way because, not in a bad way, but it's just Mary asked, you know, do I ever wake up in the morning and tell yourself, you know, there there isn't any way I'm going into the sewing room? And basically, I I responded in in the comments, I'm like, you know, pretty much Mary, I would be dead if that happened. You know, I cannot tell you the last time that I didn't want to be in my space, my as a lot of us call it, our happy place. Um, you know, my space rejuvenates me. Um, and just just last night, I had been doing a lot of different projects, and I had a lot of different things get sent to me. And um, I was on travel, and so my actual workspace here had become very overloaded. I had stuff piled up in all these different spots. And last night after dinner, I was like, I just... I can't work in here. This isn't making me feel happy. So, um, so I relocated all of this stuff to the dining room and I labeled it all so I can remember what it is. So my dining room table and floor is now covered in these things that I need to address this, you know, in the next day or so. But it had to get it out of my space because although I wanted to be in here, this was sort of suffocating me to have all of that stuff laying around. It didn't feel creative. So, yes, I want to be here all the time, and uh, it always makes me happy to come in my room and actually do something, whether I'm working or folding. You know, I'm on the computer. My computer's in here. Everything is, is in here. So another great question, uh, which I'm, you know, I should just, like, I have a whole, like, project. We should do this. But Sharon wanted to know, do I have one of my own quilts on my bed or do I, or, you know, or do I have something else on my bed? Um, well, Sharon, I'm a quilt maker, so I have a quilt on my bed, a quilt that I made. Um, and my, I have probably 25, 30 quilts hanging in my home. Um, maybe more if you count like throwing over the chair and everything like that. Um, you know, I think it's, I, I create what I like to see. So, um, from the very beginning, as soon as I felt confident enough to make a big quilt, which wasn't my first couple quilts, they were small. Uh, I considered, always considered quilts something you hung on the wall, you know, it was art. Uh, so, um, my first quilts weren't huge, but once, well, my very first, first quilt was, which you can read about, which is kind of hysterical, but, uh, that's on my sidebar on my website. But I, I do have a quilt on my bed. I have tons of bed size quilts that I have done for, um, magazine, for, uh, patterns, and for my books. I, I have tons of them and I rotate them out. Right now I'm stuck on the same one for a while. I just kind of like it. It's very soothing. And it's, and so I just leave that one there. Alright. Gonna go, uh, down here for a second and see what I got. 
let's see, there was a bunch of people looking for stuff, you know, favorite tools. Okay, so Mary Jane asked me about, um, you know, do I have the favorite set of tools? And that's, that's also another kind of fascinating question because once you've been making for a long time, particularly quilting or any, any craft really, you're going to end up with a go-to set of tools. There's going to be a group of tools that you feel like, okay, this works for me. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't have to figure it out. It works for me. So one of my things is the particular scissors I use, the Havel scissors. I love them because of their lightweight. They're smooth. Um, they open and close. So when I'm doing fusible applique, those are the scissors I want to use. I like to have rulers that I can basically see really well. Um, and so I have a set of those which have been pretty standard lately certain trimming tools that I like um, because I know how to use them I don't have to think about it I don't want to have to relearn in order to kind of go forward um, you know some people are tool people and I like to experiment but I'm not the one who wants the newest tool first you know those are like the early adopters you know you know your friend right who always has to have the newest gadget and we love those people because then they figure it out and they teach us how to use them that's how i work it's like yay all right what, what's another great one oh i like that denise said she now likes red a lot because i show a lot of red in my quilts yay i love red red and white yay uh so I like Melissa's question. Here's another one that sort of goes back to learning, uh, which I talked about in the previous, um, about my books. But learning to to quilt, she said, as a new quilter, learning to quilt, she was, sometimes it can be overwhelming and it can be actually frustrating when she makes mistakes. And how do you keep positive if, you know, you're making mistakes? So this is... Um, this is fascinating in a way because so many of us like to be perfect right away and we rarely are. We really are. I mean, how often have you done something new for the very first time and you nailed it and then you could repeat that? Maybe you did it once, but could you repeat it? Could you repeat it over and over and over from that first try and get it right? If you're going to learn archery, and you happen to have hit a bullseye on the very first time, you know, are you going to do that the second and the 500th? You're going to get bullseye after bullseye? Are you going to shoot a hoop the same way and get it, you know, right in the bath, you know, right in first try? No, you know, so everything takes a learning until it becomes second nature, until you get like a lot of mind memory um, learning. Free motion quilting is like that. And I, and that's a super big one because it's a kind of a funky technique. You got to get your, your hands and your head and all that in motion. And, uh, it becomes easier the more you do it. So if you have to keep practicing and if something's not right, particularly if you get like a lot of things not right in a row, just, just put it away, put it, put it down, go do something else, switch gears. Don't keep fighting with it because it just might be you're tired or you, or maybe you need somebody to show you. Maybe you need to have uh, go to the local quilt shop or your local guild and ask for some help. You know, maybe there's a trick that they can teach you. You know, once again, as self-taught quilt makers, self-taught at anything, we often have developed some habits that could, that, you know, hinder us. So, uh, get, just relax about it, but don't keep pushing yourself. If it starts to get frustrating, don't keep pushing. Give yourself a little break. Try it the next day. I mean, it happens to everybody, even super experienced people. There were some questions about pressing, you know, which direction, this or that. Um, there's a lot of philosophy and thought process that could go into pressing blocks. When you buy a book, like if you buy my books, there are pressing guides for that individual book block. Um, but how to think about it yourself, how to teach yourself to think about it. Some people do press open, which if you're doing machine work, you know, machine quilting, machine, um, you know, piecing, you know, that's totally fine. Um, it's just like garment making. Those of you who like me started with clothing first, you pressed open. I didn't, I learned to quilt by, by piecing by hand first. So we did always did to the side because that's stronger for a hand pieced seam. 
Um, and so I just carried that into my machine piecing. So I tend to be a side-to-side -side person. But where things are bulky, pressing it open will help you. Um, so I can't really say there's one guideline because each block is individual. And how you look at it, it's almost like if you are a person that's super particular, you need to plan out your pressing sequence. And when you purchase patterns by designers and books by designers, they will often do that for you for that individual block or pattern. Um, because that's the way it is. It's individual. It isn't like you can do it for uh, a blanket statement. You know, you've heard the blanket statement, oh, press to the dark side, you know, because you don't want it to shadow. That's the only reason you do that. It's not for putting things together necessarily. It's for not showing that dark seam against a very light fabric. So I'm not sure if that helps because it really, there's no one answer. I can't really say, you know, do this or do that. But pressing open uh, distributes everything differently. So if you're having a lot of trouble and you want to just try it. I mean, try, try a project with pressing all of your seams open for a project. That's how you learn if you like it or not. If you press them all open and you think, oh, that worked pretty darn good and I feel comfortable with that and I like the effect that it gave me, then do it. But until you personally try it, it's, you know, a little hard to figure out. Okay, so someone asked, how do you stay, um, or maybe more like one of them is, how do I stay disciplined um, and find time for everything? Me personally, this is Karen asked this, uh, and I, I, I think, um, you know, we don't get to necessarily pick our personalities <laughs> and what we do well, but we can channel what we do well and make it work for us. And so I am a sort of structured person in my workflow that worked really well for me in computers, and it works well for me running my own business uh, because. I am really self-motivated and I'm very, you know, focused on doing a good job and not disappointing people. And that's me, you know, and I'm uh, focused on meeting deadlines. That's me. I don't have to learn to do that. I was born that way. Um, so that's, that's kind of a personal, you know, one of those, one of those things that are personal. And I think we are about out of time for this session. Uh, if you want to join me at Facebook on Quilt Along with Pat Sloan, I'll put the link on my page for the day. Um, also, I have my free Quilt Alongs, which are I'm running at I Love to Make Quilts, uh, with an S on the end. And I'm doing Grandma's Kitchen right now, and I rebooted the Moda Will You Be My Neighbor um, houses, the great big houses. They're so darling. And I'm seriously, I'm going to do a second one. The Christmas ones are so cute and I'm having so much fun. I'm going to do them in a whole different set of fabrics. So you can join me there. And on my blog, um, blog.patsalone.com, you can uh, find my other types of articles and the, all the radio show stuff. So I am Pat Sloan for a Chat with Pat uh, show. And please visit me uh, because I love to hang out with quilters. We'll see you next time. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. Thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.